Hello, and welcome to Mind Body Green's beauty podcast, Clean Beauty School. I am your host and beauty director, Alexandra Engler. Today, we are talking all about gray hair, from why it happens, how to cover it up if you choose to, and how to embrace it if you decide it is time. For most of us, graying is an inevitable part of aging. For some, silver strands come sooner. Others can go almost their whole lives before seeing some pop up. For some, it happens all at once. And for others, it is a gradual fading process. Some choose to cover it up as it comes in, and others just let that silver come in in all its glory. This is all to say no one's experience with silver or graining is the same. I also find that it is a very personal and emotional topic in beauty, and depending how you feel about your own can really reflect how you react to conversations about it. But today, I spoke with Kristen Brown, an influential hairstylist, colorist, curl expert, and professional who has plenty of experience with silver hair. And I think you'll find our conversation to be empathetic, no matter how you feel about gray hair or what your experience is with it. So listen, we cover a lot of ground and without further ado, I want to welcome Kristen. Hi. Hey, Alex, how are you? I'm so well. Thank you so much for joining us today. I cannot wait to have this conversation. And we have so much, so much to talk about. Before we get into that, I would love if you could introduce yourself to our listeners and give us a little bit more of your story. How how did you become a hairstylist? How did you fall in love with hair? Thank you so much. Yes. So my name is Kristen Brown and I'm a curl specialist and a colorist. And my funny story of how I actually fell into hair, and I say fall into it because that quite honestly was how it happened. I was a chef, went to culinary school. It was a complete um, happy accident. My partner needed a fill-in hairstylist for her to start her makeup business. And essentially she was like, look, if you can just fake knowing how to do hair until I find a real hairstylist, then we'll get the restaurant that you want in the future, like all these promises. And then I actually wound up falling in love with the, with the industry. So that's my little story. And I decided from there to really focus on curls and natural textures. And I just, I just, I'm absolutely beside myself that I get to do this every day. So, so yeah, that's my story. That is so interesting that you made that shift. I, I love it when people have stories like that, where, you know, they start a career and then, and then they find that they have, you know, this other passion that they want, that they want to get started. And so but that does make me want to ask a follow-up. You know, what has been your relationship with with beauty throughout your life? What's your beauty philosophy in that sense? Were you always drawn to it? Or is it something that didn't come until later, you know, and, and with the start of your career? Well, it's interesting because when I actually look back on everything, I can clearly see the line where, you know, beauty was more introduced into my life. I have two younger brothers. And so even though I was kind of this tomboy growing up, uh, my mom still has fond memories of me, you know, mixing nail polishes like in my bedroom and, you know, kind of playing around and really experimenting. And so if I had to look back, I can see this red. But for myself as 
a woman of color, that has been something that has constantly shifted in my life of what does beauty look like growing up, you know, in the 80, late 80s, early 90s? What did it look sure. like then? And then how did that morph over time? And I can honestly say that the industry that we're in today is such a more enjoyable and representative of, you know, who I am as, as a person of color in this industry. We have so much to talk about today. Specifically, we are going to be talking about hair color and gray hair color. So why don't we just start up? What makes gray hair different? So this is a question that I get really pretty much at least twice, maybe three or four times a day because... Oh, wow. I, yeah, because I'm constantly having clients come in and I think we've seen it more. I particularly have seen it more during, you know, the last two years that we've been going through and though the level of stress that people have and the fact that folks were not necessarily able to make it into a salon atmosphere. So there hasn't been any studies on COVID and graying specifically, but there have been surveys done on COVID and increased hair shedding and loss. This all basically comes back to stress. We know that hair loss can be a side effect of extreme stress. What happens is when our body enters that stressful state, it pushes the follicles into a dormant phase, and this causes those hairs to fall out. Well, according to a recent survey of about 1,000 adults, nearly two in five of us have experienced hair loss as a result of quarantine-induced stress. It may even be a symptom of COVID-19, according to some reports. In fact, a survey of nearly 4,000 COVID-19 survivors done by Survivor Corp, a COVID-19 survivor support group, found that 32% of respondents reported having hair loss. And since graying can also be a result of stress and putting your body through an intense situation, I wouldn't be surprised if people are experiencing more graying along with shedding as well. So to give a little bit of the scientific breakdown as to why do we gray, there's something in our hair called melanocytes, which, and in our skin, which essentially produces the melanin, the pigmentation. And so the melanocytes that we have in our hair at a certain point no longer get the signal to make melanin, which gives us that heavy, rich pigmentation. And when that happens, the hair begins to grow out of the scalp in its newer state, which is essentially melanin-free, and there's no pigment, which leaves us with that gray texture, which some people either love or have a really difficult time like embracing it. And so that's where I think my job really plays into effect is showing them how they could fall in love with silver that is growing out and what they can do to make the situa situation a little bit more enjoyable for them. So why do people have different experiences with grain? You know, why, for example, I found my first gray hair at 20 and, you know, my mom definitely, she, she always talks about how she was fully gray by, by 35. Why does that happen? Is it, is it genetic? Is there environmental? You know, why? Yeah. Why, why do people have different experiences with this? So that is such a good question because I feel like it's kind of two parts, right? Because we look at it as experience of like, 
what makes us either love it or not love it so much? I think that's one question attached to that. And then also the scientific background to it. Is it because, you know, there's some rules of thought that it's genetic, you know, that because it happened to parents of yours that it's going to happen to you. And so we tend to fall in alignment with that family history trend as one rule of thought. We also have another rule of thought with stress or with anxiety. You know, when when trauma happens, you know, all over the body, the first place that it does affect is the hair and the skin. And so I typically, when I have someone in my chair, that's a great question that I tend to ask them is, okay, talk to me about what's been happening the last year that you've noticed the silver coming in. And we can typically align with something that has happened. And then lastly, one thing that we really don't ever get to talk about often, but when you really start to dive into it, it makes a lot of sense. And that's with medication and also with mineral deficiencies in the body. Whenever we have those big changes, we introduce a new medication into our system or we have a hormonal shift that is happening, which happens to all of us. We are not really thinking about the effect that that also happens on our hair. And so that's a big one to think that maybe with us being more mindful, we can incorporate, you know, better minerals, eating better, drinking better, you know, consuming, you know, whether it's introducing more herbs into your lifestyle that can really help to either attribute to slowing down the grain process, which we'll talk about later, or just to help balance out the body and provide nourishment. And then I think the circle back on that first question is, you know, like I had to flip it on you too, Alex, is when your mom, you know, started to go silver, was she embracing it? Or was it something that was like, oh my gosh, like this is the worst thing ever? Because I think that also plays into how we experience and internalize either our like or our dislike for gray hair. So I found my first one a couple months ago and I was like, oh, so I'm overjoyed, but it's because my mom had that same experience. So what was that like yeah. for you? So I'm so glad that you circled back to this because I, I loved how you answered this question. You answered it in two parts and the, the first one being the emotional component to it. Because um, mm-hmm. as we know, beauty is so emotional and I, I think you're so right that we that we are conditioned to react to rain and silver in, in in different ways. And you know, my mom dyed her hair to to cover it up, and it was definitely a situation where if it, 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 her roots were coming in, and she didn't have time to you know do do her do her box dye or you know go to the salon on the occasion when she would, it definitely stressed her out, and it it made her feel a certain way and I definitely think that has influenced how I view seeing you know my my grays and my silver come in I I highlight my hair and so I I tend to cover mine up with those highlights but to your point it is something that I do think about you know when when I do eventually go fully silver how am I going to to react to it? Mm. And what do I want to do with my hair going forward? That's I and you know, I don't know if that's something I, I, I have an answer to quite yet. Right. I think that's the joy of it, you know, is that it's ever changing, just like us and our hair, just the way that hair trends tend to go. You know what I mean? I think mm. it's always gonna be ever changing. So you let me know when you make that transition. I would love to circle back and see how you feel then and what you're going through then because it is, I hear you, it is a big change. 
So you obviously, you know, you you work with clients on this. And I I would love to know more about when you are working with with clients. What is that process like emotionally since we're kind of on this topic? Do people come into you and they are nervous or they they want to quote unquote fix it? Or do you find that more and more people are embracing it? That's a good question because I feel like it pretty much there's a beginning, middle and end to all of that. I feel like there's some people who are on the spectrum being like, I love it, but you tell me what you think. Then there's the people who are like, I'm coming in, get rid of it. If the color didn't grab on certain hairs, then we will cut them out later. Like there's like a, a you know, general polarity when it comes to gray hair. And then we have some people who truly lie in the middle and they're kind of indifferent. They're kind of like, yeah, I like it, but you know, I'm also not fully ready. And so I think it's my, where I step in is I am able to, first of all, read the body language of my client. Sure. That's the biggest, most unspoken dialogue that really is going on that gives me better insight as to how are they approaching our session? And then, you know, are their shoulders up high? Are they really nervous? Are they fidgeting a lot? Those are things that let me know that I need to slow down, take my time and really feel into them, you know, instead of talking to them, standing behind them through the mirror, it's making sure you're coming around the front and really connecting with them eye to eye. So I feel like if I can read into that initially in the beginning of our session, then I'm really able to chisel away at that maybe that harder exterior at first and really get down to like the gooey center of how they genuinely feel about their hair and essentially having them leaving my salon feeling so much more empowered. So if that means covering up the gray, then let's do that. So that way you feel great leaving. If that means embracing the gray and, you know, maybe in the future we can start transitioning toward going fully silver. That's a big one for me too. And I think also is we have this attachment to the word gray. You know, when you think of gray, you think of a dismal day outside. It's cold. Mm. It might not be the most enjoyable or most pleasant. So, and I think if you were to tell somebody like, oh, so what colors do you have in your closet? And if somebody was like, I wear all gray, your perception of them might flip a little bit and you might call them boring. You might call them just like very like, you know, one, one note. So when I went to Australia, I noticed that people over there were calling it platinum. And oh, that, love that. Yeah, and that, I love that. And I love that feeling of it sounded so much more elevated, so much more luxurious, so much more regal, if that's the word, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when I came back, I really started incorporating the word silver um, or platinum and sharing that with clients. That way they felt more elevated about what was mm. going on in their heads instead of feeling broken down about it. Yeah. I mean, even when you came on and you said silver, it there was like a click in my head that immediately I was like, oh, silver is a much more beautiful word. I should have used that. <laughs> right. Words matter, you know? I Definitely. I, I hear you on that. And I also love platinum. So yeah, I'll, I'll fold that into the lexicon. But just to get a better picture of the grain process and everyone's obviously different and everyone has a different experience with this. But in your experience working with people, you know, when does this typically happen? Is it a fast process? You know, you hear people, they they say it happened overnight. Uh, mm. In your experience, what do you find? What is, what is typical for people? I think it's typically all over the map. 
quite honestly. Yeah. I think, you know, yeah. we all know that everyone's bodies are different. What I do see a lot of is just over the past year and a half to two years is a rapid bump in that process. Oh. So I've been seeing people who, you know, maybe, you know, a year and a half ago they were coming in and it was kind of sprinkled in. What I will say is I think just the added elevation of just stresses that all of our bodies have been experiencing is for some reason, in my opinion, and I don't know about other other stylists as well, but it's happened faster and it's coming mm-hmm. on very strong in some people. Like some people, you know, it'll be sprinkled in and then next time I see them, they have a full streak in the front. And for some reason, it always takes place around the ear ear-to-ear hairline areas where you will first see your your grays obviously because we're not able to see the top of our head or you know the back of our head and the nape area yeah. but that's typically the places where it comes on the strongest so I think we notice it more and our eyes go to it more and every day we become a little bit more paranoid about another one popping mm-hmm. up I think the old rule of you know people saying well if you pull it out then 10 more will come back and you know, it's this. It, is that true? And that's the thing. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't think it's true. Okay. Um, and I think just like the stigma around it makes it so that way people feel that it could possibly be true. The same yeah. with you know whether it's hereditary or not. So it it's always fascinating. I think there's so many awesome silver myths, and so it's. I mean, I for example, I know a few people who, you know, had a certain level of trauma in one area of the head and all the hair in that area came back white. So that's something that could happen in a blink of an eye that sure that we really don't think about. And then, yeah, so it's just, it's, it's really interesting. It's, that is really interesting. I also want to talk about the texture of gray and silver hair because there are texture changes that do happen with it, correct? Do I have that right? Okay, absolutely. And You're absolutely right. What is happening there? So that part of it, honestly, I'm still unpacking because you have certain hair textures that typically are more coarse. And then some silvers that are really, really fine and really like you, you can barely feel them between your fingers. And then the coarser ones tend to be the ones that kind of stand up and they do their own thing. They don't follow the pack. They have their own rules, Um, especially when it comes to coloring, you know, to to actually covering them with hair color is those ones in particular really take a hard, you know, like you really have to work with them and sometimes they don't grab. And so there are two completely different textures when it comes to silver hair. I do think that that is, again, completely dependent upon that person. And so it really, some of my gray clients have had a harder time finding products that work with those silver hairs because they're, they can be, you know, what we used to call like unruly where they really don't know how to act. And so, you know, it, it's one of those things I think is still, I'm still working with and still doing my due diligence to dig through and make sure that like I'm understanding silver hair the more that I come into contact with it because it really is fascinating and it's just, it's in a league of, of its own. So that's, I, I love it. I yeah. Prefer. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned earlier that we were going to get into this topic. So here we are. If if you are someone who perhaps wants to attempt to slow down this silverade process, are there certain things that you can do in order to achieve that? 
So that's a good question too, because there are a few things that there's like the external and there's also like internal stuff. You know, my partner, she is an herbalist. And so we have mm. our salon and our herbal apothecary in our same, you know, retail hub. And so when I have clients who are on my side of the salon and they're done, like, I do. yeah, thank you. It's amazing. It is such a beautiful bridge between what we both do in our lives and they're so cohesive. And I think that's the, the, the constant reminder is to remind ourselves that the external and the internal do go hand in hand, whatever you're putting they into totally your body. totally do. Yeah. Like whatever you're putting into your body definitely pretty much will fall in alignment with, you know, your hair and so, and your skin. And so what we try to do, especially for our clients who we're noticing more silver happening is... And if they're like, look, I really want to slow down this silvering process. Is there anything I can do? Rosemary, the herb rosemary is a incredible gray silvering ally. It actually will. There has been some studies done where rosemary has shown the slowing down process of graying in the hair, which is pretty fascinating for so many different reasons. So I love this tip and she is absolutely right. There has been a ton of really good research done on rosemary and hair health, including as it results to hair loss and graying. See, it has a very impressive anti-inflammatory properties tied to it. And this is especially true when used on the scalp. So basically when you use rosemary, it can temper oxidative stress that is happening in that area. Oxidative stress is actually a huge trigger for graying and silvering. So if you are able to stop your body from entering oxidative stress, theoretically, you can stop premature loss and graying. However, this tip isn't gonna work for everybody. If your grain is just the result of time and your genetics, then you may not see a difference when using rosemary. However, if you think that your graying is a result of increased stress on the body, whether it be from mental stress, whether it be from physical stress, or things like diet in your environment, then rosemary might work for you. But there's, you know, some recipes that you can do that you can make like a rosemary hair tea for yourself. I've done that with clients where you're essentially creating like a rosemary rinse, like a rosemary tea, if you will, and you can kind of rinse that over the top of the head. We have some, you know, herbal ways that you can kind of incorporate rosemary into an herbal tea mixture that you could make. So there's things like that that you can do that have been shown to actually really be beneficial. Externally, what I would say is you can make that transition a little bit smoother. I There's a lot of products, you know, now, especially with me that you can do to really help your client if they are willing and ready to transition into being more silver. So Alex, just the way that you have, you know, some highlights in your hair, you can really go to your colorist and get heavily highlighted. And if you get highlights bright enough, then you can give a cooler silver contrast to that. And I think we can all remember, you know, two years ago when the silver hair trend came on the scene it blew up you know young girls were doing it you know you couldn't tell somebody's age from looking at them from behind essentially you know and i think that's when it made 
silver hair look really cool and it made it look very modern made it look like oh my gosh I can do that too and I think that's quite the same that we're experiencing right now you know two years later is people are realizing hey my hair actually does look really cool the moment I stopped coloring it and the moment I was able to get into a salon and really seeing it more and so we are seeing that right now that big kind of renaissance situation with with the silver community and that it is transitioning to looking better than I think what people had expected. Totally. I completely agree with you. I think that now, you know, thanks to hair colorists like yourself who are just so much more engaged in, in with people who have silver hair and are trying to embrace it in some respect, I, I do think that there is it's so many more options for people. You know, it. Yes. to go back to my mother, you know, she felt that her options were dye your entire head with a box dye every, you know, two weeks or whatever it was, and then do root top chaps here and there, or just be fully gray at, you know, 35, 40. Mm-hmm. And she really did feel those were her only options at the time. And now that's just not the case. Exactly. And I think that's the... The beauty of this happened, you know, as well with the natural hair movement, you know, was for the longest time we were told that, you know, really tightly coiled hair was, you know, viewed differently. It was not to be shown in public. It was not to be shown in the mm-hmm. space and it wasn't professional, didn't look good and all these things. And I think that's what's so beautiful with the beauty industry is that it's ever changing and there's moments a long time ago where stepping out without fresh color in your hair was considered like, what are you doing? Like what's going on in your life? Your world must be turned upside down. How can you step outside? And so I think that it is changing for the better in a sense that we're like someone like myself as a colorist can come along and help to change that, that narrative and that dialogue with that old paradigm and show like, Hey, we can break that down. And those are not the rules anymore. What can we do differently to change how you feel about your hair today? Mm, yeah. To kind of go off that, so let's say someone has been coloring their hair for years and years and years, and they decide they don't want to do it anymore. They are ready to embrace the silver. It's a hard transition going from all over color to to the grow out. Or I don't know if I want to call it hard, but there there has there's different phases you go through, right? Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can we walk through that just so people at home who might be listening, they can, they know what they're getting themselves into? Sure. And you're absolutely right. It is a hard (laughs) transition and process, no matter which way you look at it. I think there's a a decision to make with all three of the options that I see. So One of the options would be to go to a colorist and to say, hey, I'm looking forward to being fully silver. I want to embrace it. What are my options? The three options that I would give for my client are the following. There would be the obvious of cutting off everything that meets that line of demarcation, which for some people is like, heck yeah, let's do this. I've been waiting for you to say that my whole life. Or there's some people who are just like, there's no way I'm cutting off my hair. My hair is my everything. I love this length. That means I would have to go to a pixie cut. Or that means I would have to have that, that, transitional length that's kind of in the middle so that there's a decision to make within that first option of being like how ready am I am I ready because 
I love the length that my hair is at. And I just want for this client to take me as platinum as possible. So that way tomorrow, or maybe over the course of a few sessions, I'm gray versus having to transition out of this for a few years. So the first option, uh, just to reiterate, is going to your colorist and having them work the magical alchemy that they would have to do. And I say that because that is not an easy task. A lot of people will look at, you know, a colorist and say, oh, okay, just make me this. And your colorist gives you all their confidence and says, sure, we can get there. But what some people are not really aware of is the levels of box dye that your colorist is having to remove from the hair years of you going to just you know a, a grocery store and picking anything off the shelf that is years of metallic color that would have to be removed which is not easy at all it's quite difficult so hopefully your colorist is able to achieve that and if they are unable to maybe you can do something a little bit more transitional which is getting highlights maybe around your face and lightening those up to such a higher level to where it can look like you have some gray or what we call silver blending. So that's the first option is going to your colorist and having them work their magic. The second option would be to transition on your own, which is where you just grow your hair out. And I say the word just very lightly because that is not very easy, but it is to just grow your hair out and just let it get to that point to where you're either very comfortable with it either being like a split personality hair color, right? So the line of demarcation out and then the line of demarcation up to the roots. So that's a different scenario too, where you have people who are like, look, I'm just wearing my hair in a bun for the next year and a half. And that's not the healthiest thing also. You want to let your hair breathe, let your scalp breathe. But for some people, that is the easier option is just to naturally especially if you're not into coloring your hair, you're a little bit more on the natural side, maybe, you know, using color in the salon or, you know, from over the counter is not going to be an option for you. So growing it out would be an option. It's a little, it's still a decision to make. How tough is it? How, how long is, you know, when is enough enough when you're like, okay, we're three years in, like I'm not fully gray. What do I do now? So there's decisions to make there too. And then lastly, I would say with transitioning is using, you know, like a, a product that can really help with the, the process of making your hair respond a little bit better. For me, it, it's, you know, Olaplex. I use Olaplex in my salon throughout every single process, whether I'm lightening someone's hair, whether their hair is completely virgin or natural, or if they are already fairly gray. It does an incredible job of speaking to the gray hair. And I use their, the new number 4P, which is the blonde enhancing toning shampoo, which has a purple contrast to it. And it's rich. So it brightens up the purple hair, or excuse me, it brightens up the silver hair. And it really gives that, that luminescent vibe to it, which for me feels very brightening. It feels very uplifting. And sometimes I think when people see gray hair is, they fear that yellowing. They fear the, some, you know, the, 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 I don't want to say the dinginess that, but sometimes that happens, you know, it also grabs what's out in the atmosphere. So using something like that can really brighten up the hair a lot. So I have been using purple shampoos for forever because I do lighten my hair and I, I love 
purple shampoos. I love, you know, toning products. They are absolutely a lifesaver for me. Yeah. I feel like they're having such a moment right now. I feel like every time I go on TikTok, everybody's like talking about purple shampoo or purple conditioner hacks. Are you seeing that? I am. I'm definitely seeing it. I think there's, there's, I've seen it everything from people sleeping in it to people like, yeah, it, it's, it's wild to me. And it's, it's funny. It's one of those things where I'm just like, oh my gosh, let's see what this result looks like. And I think it's, it's, it's fun that people are really pushing it to, to see what, what, what is it going to do? So yeah, I'm, I'm here for yeah. it. I mean, just a few follow-up questions on using purple shampoos, just because, because they are exploding popularity, I feel like I'm constantly getting questions about them. How, how often should people be using them? Is, is there an amount that's too much or is it just kind of like, go for it? <laughs> That is such a good question because I feel that depending on who you are as a person and what you've done with your hair is really going to depend on how often to use it. So for example, if you are a platinum goddess and you have had your hair lightened to platinum, then there's going to be a period where your hair is going to stop having that coolness that platinum does. And it's going to start just looking extremely blonde, but with a little bit of warmth to it. So that would be a great time to use the purple shampoo. Maybe that person, depending on the porosity of their hair, and the porosity just refers to how much water and product that the hair absorbs or doesn't absorb. So if you're highly porous, then you're going to grab more of that direct pigment that is in purple shampoo, which is purple. So if you're overusing it, then you're definitely going to have more of that violet um, tonality to the hair. And I think that's, you know, we were growing up and we were seeing like these cute little grandmas walking down the street and their hair would be, you know, that purple lavender color. It's because they were overusing a purple shampoo at the time to make their hair look gray, but some of them were overusing it. You know, if they're, if they came from the old school version of washing your hair every day, and if they're using a purple shampoo, then that direct pigment in purple shampoo is going to continue to deposit and to deposit and deposit. So I would say using it, you know, once every two weeks, I think is adequate. My partner, she is pretty much fully blonde and we decided to push it to the limit. I decided to go ahead and like purple her hair, like on drying hair <laughs> and really like push it and see, okay, how much is this going to grab? And, you know, when she washed it, it was this really cool lilac blonde, which was fun. And then after two and a half washes, like that all went away, but that coolness was still there, which is really beautiful. And so it really does depend on the person. And I think you'll know as a, when you start using purple shampoos, you'll know when it's too much. You'll, you'll know very quickly. Sure. <laughs> I grabbed a little bit too much, you know, and just, and just adjust it from there. And it should be really easy to adjust. Okay. So. So someone has, you know, made this transition. They are, they took all of your advice and they have gorgeous silver hair. They're using their purple shampoo. They are, they are caring for themselves, et cetera, et cetera. They're at this point. What other things do, do people who have silver hair need to be mindful of when they are taking care of it? it are there specific things that they should pay attention to that, that would be different than, you know, previously? Absolutely. A few things that I would say is really making sure that, for example, if you have silver hair 
and you are constantly flat ironing your hair. That's one thing to really pay attention to because depending on how high the temperature is, you can potentially see those, those, you know, high heat streaks pop up on the hair. The gray hair marks up really, really easily. And so that is definitely one thing to really be mindful of. Another thing that I would say is, and I, you know, just bringing this up is I have some clients who, you know, are former tobacco users and who smoke. And that also shows up on silver hair really easily. And so it's surprising because you don't think about it, but I'm always able to tell as because that is within my scope of practice is to look down and, you know, they have like, it's almost like a line of demarcation there as well. So really being mindful of what you're doing externally, environmentally to your hair, you know, whether you're using like a flat iron or whether you're getting, you know, blowouts constantly, because the more that you fight against the silvers, sometimes it winds up fighting back. So sure. something to be mindful. So interesting. I had I mean, I it obviously, you know, it makes sense like that if you have lighter hair, it does tend to grab onto stuff yes. easier. But that's fascinating to me. Wow. Yeah. It's one of those things that you just you're not really paying attention to until you really bring it up to somebody and you're like, oh, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> that's it exactly. Totally. I, you know, I, I feel like I sometimes even experience that with my blonde hair. If I, if I heat style too much, it's like, oh, it's, yeah. It's like, oh gosh, I think I burned it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, what are some, you know, you talked about rosemary in terms of, you know, helping your hair. Are there any other internal things that people can take to encourage healthy growth in general you you seem like you you probably have a pretty good knowledge base considering you have an herbalist as part of your salon <laughs> definitely i think a few things to keep in mind that for me are really amazing when it comes to the silvering process so yeah you you know we talked about rosemary and you know how that can really be beneficial. But another thing that I think that people tend to overlook is when it comes to our bodies and our bodies ever changing, you know, we briefly touched on, you know, having minerals and supplementing our bodies with what it needs. Because one thing to remember as well is that when people don't have adequate nutrients in their bodies, their hair doesn't grow and then their nails also don't grow. So we forget that even though that our hair and nails grow constantly, our hair and nails will not grow in abundance if there is not an oversupply of nourishment going on in the body that goes in vitamins, minerals, all those things. And so if you have all those great things going on in your body, then great. And your hair should essentially follow it in line with being abundant and still on your head and not thinning and, and all these things. And so that's a long-winded way of me saying like going back to adaptogenic herbs, you know, using things that can really be beneficial toward helping your body adapt, especially when it comes to stress. So just a quick moment to explain what adaptogenic herbs are, because I don't think we talk about them much over here, or we haven't gone over them in an episode before. So adaptogens are just botanicals that stabilize the physiological processes in the body. Basically, they promote a sense of homeostasis. Commonly, they are referred to as balancing herbs. Because again, in my professional opinion, 
I feel like when the stress is higher in our lives, that is when we start to see those hormonal shifts taking place inside of the body. So using herbs, maybe it's herbs like, you know, ashwagandha, which is a great adaptogenic herb. You can use stuff like shatavari. I'm, I'm definitely in alignment with, with some of those, some of those herbs. I, I, I am too. Yeah. <laughs> good, good. And one thing that also to note too is, you know, I know that sometimes we, you know, refer or excuse me, defer to doing, you know, something like biotin for hair growth and for all of that, you know, some research suggests that like biotin deficiencies may play a role in premature graying. So, you, you know, we saw this big influx of everyone coming out with these hair gummies that have like a ton of biotin in them. And you would take like a bunch of those and this like outlandish amount of biotin to even see a boost in, you know, in your body. But I'm saying that to say that sometimes it can also be beneficial to go to whether it be like your dermatologist or going to a professional, you know, medical, essentially to your doctor, to your primary care physician. And you can even get blood work done to show what's going on in your body. How is my thyroid? How is, you know, the iron levels that are going on in my body? Like really looking at blood work to help you determine where we're deficient can be beneficial toward you know, that's a, that's a deeper dive into the graying process, but it's also just a good idea to really know that we can look at what's going on with our body internally to help us decide what we're going to do on the external. Yeah. I also just think that's a great reminder. I encourage people to to use their skin and their hair as what's going on internally. You know, my I, I'm having this sort of skin reaction. What is my body trying to tell me? Or, you know, if you are rapidly graying, Maybe your body's trying to tell you that, you know, it's stressed or it like to your point, it has these n- nutritional deficiencies. And I, I always, you know, it's, it's important to listen to your body and see, see what's happening. So I think that's a great tip and a great reminder. Absolutely. So I, you obviously work with so many clients and you are, you probably have so, so many wonderful stories of, you know, people going through this process of embracing their silver do any come to mind that you know make you make you feel proudest or just at least you know they they kind of stuck around in your head as as a real success story that you that that you cherish yeah I have one that actually quite literally just popped it in my mind I had been working with this client in particular for probably already at least four or five years and we kept revisiting every time that she would come in to get her cut done and was that, you know what, one day, like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. And at the time her hair was brown, when she first came to me, it was like brown and red and like a whole bunch of different colors. And so we did highlights initially, you know, cut in color and we loved it. And then as the years went on, like she kept being like, you know, like, this is not the most cost effective thing. And I totally understand that. And I realized that. And so we kind of started toying with the idea of, well, what would you do if we went silver? You know, and I'm always going to be in support of pushing the necessary positive in the sense that I'm not going to be like devil's advocate per se, but I'm going to, I'm going to help you open up your mind to see what are the other possibilities going to potentially look like. And for her, she was open enough to kind of toy with that idea as well. And so what was fun was that I essentially decided, look, she was ready. I was ready to do it. And we, that was when I first actually started using Olaplex. And so 
it was a good time to really push her hair to the absolute maximum as far as lightening that I thought that we could get without compromising the integrity of, you know, her beautiful curls. And that's what was great about it was that we were able to essentially, you know, lighten her to blonde. And then I toned it with a very ultraviolet toner to cancel out a lot of that yellow. So she essentially was a very ultra blonde for about four months. And then after that, we did another session to brighten her even brighter. And with the shutdown last year, I wasn't able to see her at all. The next time that she came in, she was fully, fully silver. You could see that she was fully in her goddess vibe. She felt (laughs) beautiful. I think she even had that look of, I probably should have done this sooner, which was even better for me to really help somebody to see them in their truest expression. I think it's very, very beautiful. So she was definitely a success story. And I'm really glad that she entrusted that with me to take her to um, that next version of herself. Oh, I love that. I I love it when you can just like see the difference in somebody once once they, you know, make it make a jump into their next phase of their look or their life. And it's just it's just so rewarding to see. So thank you for sharing. And last question before I leave you, what do you do for yourself? How do you take care of your own hair? How do you take care of your body and your skin? What what's your beauty routine? (laughs) Yeah. So I feel like what I need to do for me in particular, is to have a, you know, full moon or a new moon. Like my my partner, Ash, she is such a great example because she's constantly reminding me of ritual. And I think that's one thing as people is we've hopefully gotten back in touch with creating ritual in our lifestyles because we, we tend to look at things like massage or taking a bath as all a part of, you know, a beauty regimen. And it is. And there is an extra layer to just self-care. And so, you know, me last night, like quite literally, I was, you know, in the bathtub. I had like, you know, the the candles going and, you know, some aromatherapy going, some Epsom salt going. And, you know, I was doing masks on my face and I was like, oh, I'll do a hair mask tomorrow. And I think what it comes down to, no matter, you know, if you're more aligned with herbal remedies or if you're more aligned with going into a store and purchasing something that feels really luxurious and luscious is really making sure that you're just taking that time for yourself. You know, I think Mm -hmm. the main pivot of, you know, the, the current time that we're in right now is we really do have an opportunity to pick and choose what is serving us and what no longer serves us. Mm. And I think we can all agree that like making time, carving time out for self is so important. And so the, the older I get, you know, the the closer I realize that this is a part of necessary self-care because especially being in an industry where I'm constantly taking care of others and giving others my best recommendations and I give them all the pampering, I also need to reciprocate that with my own body and my own, you know, spiritual practice as well. So it's something that I'm really trying to to stick to. I think that's beautiful and I couldn't agree more. I have this conversation with my colorist and my hairstylist, especially during the pandemic. You know, you you guys are giving us, you know, so much of yourself and it's it's probably very emotionally draining and you know, you I 
it, it, it's such a beautiful process and, and it means so much to us who are sitting in the chair. So, you know, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Please take care of yourself. I, I literally have this conversation with hairstylists all the time, just how, <laughs> how much our, our, our caretakers give to us. And it, it's so important to us. So absolutely hard, hard agree. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. This was such a beautiful episode. Not only um, did I learn so much and not only do I have so many tips, but I just, I feel better leaving it and I, I feel better about, about my own hair. So thank you awesome. so, so much. I know others are going to feel the same. Great. Thank you so much, Alex, for having me on. And I think this is just the perfect topic to really cover and just to have people walking away feeling just better about what, what changes are happening. So it was, it was truly an honor. Thank you. Hey everyone, thank you so much for coming by and listening to today's episode. If you liked this episode and you like this podcast in general, don't forget to rate and review us and I will see you next week.